0: Volume one, chapter three of Emmeline the Orphan of the Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Emmeline the Orphan of the Castle by Charlotte Turner Smith. Chapter three. In this situation were the inhabitants of Mowbray Castle when. In the beginning of July orders were received from Lord Montreville to set workmen immediately about repairing the whole end of the castle which was yet habitable, as his son, Mr. Delamere, intended to come down early in the autumn, to shoot, for some weeks, in Wales. His lordship added, that it was possible he might himself be there also for a few weeks, and therefore directed several bed-chambers to be repaired, for which he would send down furniture from London. No time was lost in obeying these directions. Workmen were immediately procured, and the utmost expedition used to put the place in a situation to receive its master, while Emmeline, who foresaw that the arrival of Lord Montreville would probably occasion some change in regard to herself, and who thought that every change must be for the better, beheld these preparations with pleasure. All had been ready some weeks, and the time fixed for Mr. Delamere's journey elapsed, but he had yet given no notice of his arrival at length towards the middle of september they were one evening alarmed by the noise of horses on the ascent to the castle emmeline retired to her own room fearful of she knew not what while mrs garnet and maloney flew eagerly to the door where a french valet and an english groom with a lead horse presented themselves and were ushered into the old kitchen the dimensions of which blackened as it was with the smoke of ages and provided with the immense utensils of ancient hospitality failed not to amaze them both the frenchman expressed his wonder and dislike by several grimaces and then addressing himself to mrs garnet explained peste qu'il qu'un poète subsisteur dans cet esprit d'enfer montre moi l'appartement du monsieur oh your name is monsieur is it answered she ay I, I thought so what would you please to have monsieur diable cried the distressed valet. voici une femme aussi sauvage que la louis quelle habite comme comme you jean groom speak little to dis woman pour moi with the help of john who had been some time used to his mode of explaining himself mrs garnet understood that monsieur desired to be shown the apartments destined for his master which he assiduously assisted in preparing and then seeing the woman busied in following his directions he attempted to return to his companion but by missing a turning which should have carried him to the kitchen he was bewildered among the long galleries and obscure passages of the castle and after several efforts could neither find his way back to the women nor into the kitchen but continued to blunder about till the increasing gloom which approaching night threw over the arched and obscure apartments through windows dim with painted glass filled him with apprehension and dismay and he believed he should wander there the whole night in which fear he began to make a strange noise for assistance to which nobody attended for indeed nobody for some time heard him his terror increasing he continued to traverse one of the passages when a door at the corner of it opened and emmeline came out the man whose imagination was by this time filled with ideas of spectres flew back at her sudden appearance, and added the contortions of fear to his otherwise grotesque appearance, in a travelling-jacket of white cloth, laced, and his hair in papulitz. Emmeline, immediately comprehending that it was one of Mr. Delamere's servants, inquired what he wanted, and the man, reassured by her voice and figure, which there was yet light enough to discern, approached her, and endeavoured to explain that he had lost himself in a language which, though emmeline did not understand she knew to be french she walked with him therefore to the gallery which opened to the great staircase from whence he could hardly mistake his way where having pointed it to him she turned back towards her own room but millifere who had now had an opportunity to contemplate the person of his conductress was not disposed so easily to part with her by the extreme simplicity of her dress he believed her to be only some fair villager or an assistant to the housekeeper and therefore without ceremony he began in broken english to protest his admiration and seized her hand with an impertinent freedom extremely shocking to emmeline she snatched it from him and flying hastily back through those passages which all his courage did not suffice to make him attempt exploring again she regained her turret the door of which she instantly locked and bolted then breathless with fear and anger she reflected on the strange and unpleasant scene she had just passed through and felt greatly humbled to find that she was now likely to be exposed to the insolent familiarity of servants from which she knew not whether the presence of the master would protect her while she suffered the anguish these thoughts brought with them millefiore travelled back to the kitchen where he began an oration in his own language on the beauty of the young woman he had met with neither mrs garnet nor maloney understood what he was saying but john who had been in France, and knew a good deal of the language, told them that he had seen a very pretty girl, in whose praise he was holding forth. "'Why, Lord!' exclaimed Mrs. Garnet. our Miss, as Monsieur means. i had quite forgotten the child. I'll go call her. But how some Monsieur won't be able to get a word out of her. If she's a beauty, I assure you, "'Tis a dumb beauty.' maloney by no means pleased with Millefort's discovery would willingly have prevented the housekeeper's compliance but not knowing how to do it he was obliged to let her ascend to emmeline whose door she found locked miss miss cried she rapping loudly you must come down is my lord or mr delamere arrived inquired emmeline no replied mrs garnet neither of em bent come yet but here's my lord's waley de cham and another servant and you'll come down to tea to be sure no said emmeline you must excuse me mrs garnet i am not very well and if i were i should decline appearing to those people with whom perhaps it may not be my lord's design that i should associate people exclaimed mrs garnet as to people i do suppose that for all one of them is a frenchman they be as good as other folks and if i am agreeable to let them drink tea in my room sure you miss Mightn't be so squeamish but do as you please for my part i shan't court beauties so saying the angry housekeeper descended to her companions to whom she complained of the pride and ill manners of miss while maloney rejoiced at a reserve so favourable to the hopes he entertained emmeline determined to remain as much as possible in her own room till lord montreville or mr delamere came and then to solicit her removal she therefore continued positively to refuse to appear to the party below and ordered the maid servant to bring her dinner into her own room which she never quitted till towards evening to pursue her usual walks on the third afternoon subsequent to the arrival of mr delamere's avant couriers emmeline went down to the seaside and seating herself on a fragment of rock fixed her eyes insensibly on the restless waves that broke at her feet the low murmurs of the tide retiring on the sands the sighing of the wind among the rocks which hung over her head clothed with long grass and marine plants the noise of the sea-fowl going to their nests among the cliffs threw her into a profound reverie she forgot awhile all her apprehended misfortunes a sort of stupor took possession of her senses and she no longer remembered how the time had passed there which already exceeded two hours though the moon yet in its increase was arisen and threw a long line of radiance on the water thus lost in indistinct reflections she was unconscious of the surrounding objects when the hasty tread of somebody on the pebbles behind her made her suddenly recollect herself and though accustomed to be so much alone she started in some alarm in remembering the late hour and the solitary place where she was a man approached her in whom with satisfaction she recollected a young peasant of the village who was frequently employed in messages from the castle miss emmy said the lad you are wanted at home for there's my lord his own self and the young lord and more gentlefolks come so madame garnet sent me to look for you all about emmeline hurried by this intelligence walked hastily away with the young villager and soon arrived at the castle the wind had blown her beautiful hair about her face and the glow of her cheeks was heightened by exercise and apprehension a more lovely figure than she now appeared could hardly be imagined she had no time to reflect on the interview but hastened immediately into the parlour where Lord Montreville was sitting with his son, Mr. Fitz-Edward, who was a young officer, his friend, distantly related to the family, and Mr. Headley, a man celebrated for his knowledge of rural improvements, whom Lord Montreville had brought down to have his opinion of the possibility of rendering Mowbray Castle a residence fit for his family for a few months in the year. Lord Montreville was about five and forty years old. His general character was respectable, he had acquitted himself with honour in the senate and in private life had shown great regularity and good conduct but he had basked perpetually in the sunshine of prosperity and his feelings not naturally very acute were blunted by having never suffered in his own person any uneasiness which might have taught him sensibility for that of others to this cause it was probably owing that he never reflected on the impropriety of receiving his niece before strangers and that he ordered Emmeline to be introduced into the room where they were all sitting together. Having once seen Emmeline a child of five or six years old, he still formed an idea of her as a child, and adverted not to the change that almost nine years had made in her person, and manners. It was therefore with some degree of surprise, that instead of the child he expected, he saw a tall, elegant young woman, whose air, though timidity was the most conspicuous in it, had yet much of dignity and grace." and in whose face he saw the features of his brother softened into feminine beauty the apathy which prosperity had taught him gave way for a moment to his surprise at the enchanting figure of his niece he arose and approached her miss mowbray how amazingly you are grown i am glad to see you he took her hand while emmeline trembling and blushing endeavoured to recollect herself and said i thank you my lord and i am happy in having an opportunity of paying my respects to your lordship he led her to a seat and again repeated his wonder to find her so much grown delamere who had been standing at the fire conversing with fitz edward now advanced and desired his father to introduce him which ceremony being passed he drew a chair close to that in which emmeline was placed and fixing his eyes on her face with a look of admiration and inquiry that extremely abashed her he seemed to be examining the beauties of that lovely and interesting countenance which had so immediately dazzled and surprised him fitz edward a young soldier related to the family of lady montraville was almost constantly the companion of delamere and had expectations that the interest lord montraville possessed would be exerted to advance him in his profession his manner was very insinuating and his person uncommonly elegant he affected to be a judge as well as an admirer of beauty and seemed to behold with approbation the fair inhabitant of the castle who with heightened blushes and averted looks waited in silence till lord montreville should again address her which he at length did i was sorry miss mowbray to hear of the death of old carey the tears started into the eyes of emmeline she was an excellent servant and served the family faithfully many years poor emmeline felt the tears fall on her bosom but, however, she was old and had been, I suppose, long infirm. I hope the person who now fills her place has supplied it to your satisfaction. Yes, yes, my lord, inarticulately sobbed Emmeline, quite overcome by the mention of her old friend. I dare say she does, resumed his lordship, for Grant, of whom Lady Montreville has a very high opinion, assured her ladyship she was well recommended. Emmeline now found her emotion very painful and therefore rose to go, and, curtseying to Lord Montreville, tried to wish him good-night. "'A good-night to you, Miss Mowbray,' said he, rising. Delamere started from his chair, and, taking her hand, desired to have the honour of conducting her to her room. But this was a gallantry his father by no means approved. "'No, Frederick,' said he, taking himself the hand he held. "'You will give me leave to see Miss Mowbray to the door.' He led her thither, and then, bowing, wished her again good-night." Emmeline hurried to her room, where she endeavoured to recollect her dissipated spirits, and to consider in what way it would be proper for her to address Lord Montreville the next day, to urge her request of a removal from the castle. Mrs. Carey had a sister who resided at Swansea, in Glamorganshire, where her husband had a little place in the excise, and where she had a small house, part of which she had been accustomed to let to those who frequented the place for the benefit of sea-bathing she was old and without any family of her own and emmeline to whom she was the more agreeable as being the sister of mrs carey thought she might reside with her with propriety and comfort if lord montreville would allow her a small annual stipend for her clothes and board while she was considering in what manner to address herself to his lordship the next day the gentlemen were talking of the perfections of the nymph of the castle by which name delamere toasted her at supper lord montreville who did not seem particularly delighted with the praise his son so warmly bestowed, said, "'Why, surely, Frederick, you are uncommonly eloquent on behalf of your Welsh cousin.' "'Faith, my lord,' answered Delamere, "'I like her so well that I think it's a little unlucky I did not come alone. My Welsh cousin is the very thing for a tete-a-tete.' "'Yes,' said Lord Montreville, carelessly, "'she's really grown a good fine young woman.' "'Don't you think so, George?' addressing himself to Fitz-Edward." i do indeed my lord answered he and here's mr headley though an old married man absolutely petrified with admiration upon my soul headley continued delamere i already begin to see great capabilities about this venerable mansion i think i shall take to it as my father offers it me especially as i suppose miss emmeline is to be included in the inventory come come frederick said lord montreville gravely no light conversation on the subject of miss mowbray she is under my care and i must have her treated with propriety his lordship immediately changed the discourse and soon after complaining of being fatigued retired to his chamber end of chapter three